Hi, I'm Luke. I'm Kaylin. And, and this, this is, is Death, Death Row Dialogue. Dialogue. Alright guys, so we hit 500 views. So make sure you go to Facebook. Once again, that's Death Row Dialogue. There's a page. It's public, so anyone can go join it. Be on the lookout for a post that I will be making right after this episode drops. See what the big surprise is. Yeah, thank you for 500 listens. Very exciting. 500 for our 10th episode. Yeah, a good celebration right there. Mm-hmm. So, no listens from Arizona yet. Still waiting. I check every day. And um, no more ratings. So, make sure you scroll down to the bottom of Apple Podcasts and put that five stars. Anything less, you don't have to read it. Uh, I'm excited for the giveaway. We already got some stuff going and... Uh... We have big things going on behind the scenes. We're working on a lot for y'all. I know that I like it, so hopefully y'all will love it. Whoever wins will love it. Uh, hopefully we'll get some new viewers, a little growth out of this too, and we'll have a bigger community for people to get to know each other. Oh, that reminds me. I created a email for us. So that's deathrowdialogue at yahoo.com. And that's if you want to send us any ideas or if you think we need to do something differently, something you want to hear. Just any feedback from y'all or anything you want to say if you just want to chat. Uh, also, we're not experts, so if you have a correction, like Bexar County. Or... Bear County? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm making fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything like that. So just make sure you send us an email or you can reach out on messenger on facebook i'm a part of the group i'm the admin so are you ready this is the 10th person yeah that's died on death row since they brought it back mm-hmm. and you're ready i'm ready okay so we're talking about charles francis rumbaugh and he nick his nickname was chucky already oh. off to a bad start <laughs> you don't like people named Chucky? I mean, you just automatically think of the evil doll. What? I don't know when this was all made. Like, I don't know when Chucky the doll was made, <laughs> so I can't correlate. Yeah, but I'm saying this was probably before then. His Should name... I look? <laughs> yeah. Okay. One second while I Google. People are probably like screaming Wait, when yeah. it was made Chucky the doll franchise beginning when do you think uh early 2000 i think it's way before that oops um in chronological order it's not google's not giving me a clear answer 1988 <laughs> yeah i was only like 12 years off <laughs> 1988 was the Original? beginning of chucky the doll was the first one and he this guy was executed in 1985 Maybe Chucky the Doll was inspired by him. <laughs> okay, now we're reaching. No, probably not. Okay, back to the story. Anyways, he was born on June 23rd, 1957. And he was first... The first robbery he was involved in was when he was six years old. And it was assisting his older brother when they broke into a building in San Angelo. Yeah, but what do they... Do they arrest a six-year-old? 
No, I'm sure it was like juvenile detention or parents come pick him up. Right. That kind of thing. Um, then the next time was at 12 years old, he used a tire iron to rob a gas station and escaped from the scene on a stolen bicycle. Like he was threatening them with it? Yeah. How Do we know how old he was? He was 12. 12? Yeah. So, started early. It said that he was previously arrested for escape and aggravated assault of a police officer. But um, he had no TDCJ time spent. Right. So he wasn't actually in jail at any time. But that's the Texas. Yes. Right. So it could, he could have spent time somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I don't really think it's likely because um, he committed the capital offense when he was 17. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, wow. So we're getting right into it. So when he was 17 years old, on April 4th of 1975, Charles shot and killed an Amarillo jewelry store owner, 58-year-old Michael Ferrero. When he was arrested the next day, he pulled his weapon on an officer, who then, of course, pulled his gun out and shot Charles in the right hand. A few days before the robbery, he had used two pistols to rob a motel in San Angelo and got away with $350. So, all robbery-based. Armed robbery. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was the crime, was robbing that jewelry store and shooting, shooting the owner. Man. Yes. And, well, he also shot at an officer, too, right? I don't, it didn't say he shot, it just said he pulled his weapon out. Oh. So, I don't think he actually shot at the officer or shot the officer at all. Oh, okay. He just showed the weapon, so the officer shot. So, that was in April of 1975. Okay. In May of 1975, a month later... He attempted suicide in the jail by cutting his wrist with a razor blade that he had found. Right. Obviously, it didn't work. So, a month later, in June, he attempted suicide by overdosing on drugs. And it was unclear if the drugs were prescription drugs or if they were smuggled in by somebody. So, it never said. That was the next month. So, in Wait, December... Either way, he would have had to have been, like, bashing his own... Prescription pills. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but it never said if that he was on any medication anywhere. So it leads me to believe it was, like, narcotics yeah. that were snuck in. Gotcha. So in December of 1975, same year that the crime happened, he escaped from the jail with two other inmates, Michael Sutton and Roger Barrett. The three inmates escaped by cutting an 11 by 11 inch hole through a steel plate that was three-eighths of an inch thick and it didn't say how they cut this but they then lowered themselves down to the street with bed sheets tied together sounds like a movie yeah i was thinking this is straight out of a cartoon yeah so they lowered themselves down to the street where bobby white one of the inmates girlfriends some of them said that it was charles girlfriend some said it was one of the other inmates girlfriend somebody's girlfriend was waiting in a car at the street level so they all got into her car, and I think they made it like two hours away in Snyder, Texas. And a DPS officer was doing a routine driver's license check, pulled them over, asked the driver Bobby for her driver's license, and she didn't. She happened to not have it on her. And I guess, I don't know if they took off their inmate garb or 
he just didn't notice that there were inmates in the car. Right. But it said that the only reason they were taken to the courthouse was because she didn't have her driver's license. So they were all taken. Wow. Yeah, they were all taken to the Snyder County Courthouse, and the inmates then overpowered the officer, took his gun, but before they could use the gun on him, another officer arrived and subdued the inmates. Wow. Yeah. Why did they wait till they were at the courthouse if they were gonna? I don't. I don't know the details. I don't know if they all rode in the police officers because there was four of them in the car. Right. So I don't know if they followed him. Not really sure. There's a lot of missing pieces. And also, like, she was just parked on the street for days or hours or whatever. You know, they would have had to have had some kind of communication. Well, I don't know how the correspondence worked back then yeah if you had visits so it's in the 80s so i i doubt they're recorded visits right so they're probably just sitting face to face with somebody once a week and you could plan it out yeah i guess pretty well and say on this day we plan to have our bowl cut (laughs) i don't know it's ready to pop open and we got our bed sheets tied together yeah it's I don't know. It's really interesting. I want to know what they use. As I was reading this, I was really expecting them to say they dug a tunnel with, like, spoons or something. Mm -hmm. Just because of how crazy this escape story was. Yeah, to fall through a metal plate? I mean, I guess you have nothing but time whenever you're... But he was only... This wasn't, like, years. This was from April to December of the same year. So, I mean... Yeah, but we don't know these other two guys. Yeah, maybe they were working on it before he got right, there. Right, right. So, they took them back to jail, and that's when he got charged with the escape mm-hmm. charge. Gotcha. And I think that's when he got charged with the assaulting of an officer, too. Oh, okay. So, the next year, in 1976, he was escorted from the jail to the district court for his death sentencing. And... Charles then threatened to kill the judge, the bailiff, the district attorney, and his own attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Officials then found a metal strip about seven inches long and one and a half inches wide sharpened to a point on him. So he made a shiv. Yeah. And I guess he was just going to kill everyone. His own attorney? He obviously didn't think he was doing very well. I guess so. The only guy rooting for you. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe the attorney was like, look, man, you're not getting off. I mean, if he, maybe if he didn't try to escape prison. I don't know. He started crying pretty early. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, it seemed like he never even had a chance. Yeah. But, so, that's what I'm thinking is, like, maybe he used the shiv to, like, make that hole. I, I'm, it sounds like he had some... He's resourceful. <laughs> yeah. He's so, a smart criminal. Um, that was in 76. It didn't say what month in 76. But then later, uh, in April of 76, the jury recommended the death penalty um, after listening to a recorded conversation where Charles called himself an assassin and said that he would have shot the officer in Snyder if he had had a gun. I just don't... Like, you're referring to yourself as an assassin? That just makes me think you are crazy. Yeah. I just feel like normal people don't say that. Especially out loud. On a recorded line. Yep, well, and also saying, like, you're gonna kill an officer, too. 
And it make like when was he being recorded? Was this like an interview? Was he telling officers this? Right. I mean, he seemed like he was that type of person. If he's telling everyone in a courtroom that he's gonna kill him. Yeah. Okay. So. But he's still seventeen at the time. Okay, so this was the next year. So now he's eighteen. Yeah. So now we're jumping forward. To February of 1983. So this was right before he was executed. Ten years later. He's uh, 26 now. His mom and dad, Harvey and Rebecca, applied for an appeal for Charles, which he fought. He was like, I don't want you to do this for me. I'm done trying. And they sent an appeal saying that he wasn't competent to stand trial. The trial sent Charles to Springfield, Missouri to determine if he was competent and had him speak with a psychiatrist there. But um, after the exam, the district court held a hearing and they heard conflicting testimony. Like one psychiatrist was saying this and then another was saying this. Mm. But it wasn't the Springfield psychiatrist. It was like other psychiatrists that were saying this. Right. So they subpoenaed the Springfield psychiatrist. And had them come from Missouri to Texas to actually read the notes. Because I think the notes were sent and they weren't clear. Oh. And so there was conflicting testimony on the notes. Gotcha. So he came to testify. And they had another trial to hear the testimony of the psychiatrist. During this trial, Charles was shot in the chest after he lunged at a deputy U.S. marshal in the courtroom. He had a makeshift weapon, which was a six-inch pick that he had made from wire, and yelled, shoot me. How is no one checking this guy for a weapon? <laughs> I don't know. How many times are they going to let him get away I didn't with even this? think about that. Why are they not patting him down before? <laughs> they, some, no, they definitely had to check him. You know what I mean? Like, they don't they check everyone? Maybe they do now. Like, the criminals. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's incredible. Maybe though. they were like... Surely he wouldn't have he's another He's learned one. his lesson. It's his last day. Like, of course he's not going to try and take anyone with him. But, I mean, he must have had it pretty easily accessible for him to be able to lunge in court. Yeah. Maybe he, I don't know, if he had it up his sleeve or what. But they shot him. I mean, he is an assassin. <laughs> he's sneaky. After yelling, shoot me. <laughs> so, he survived after a long hospital stay that involved removing a chunk of his right lung. Oh. The judge found that he was competent <laughs> and dismissed the petition. I honestly think that if he hadn't have done this elaborate planning, like in the escape and making the weapons, he might have gotten away right. with being not competent. Well, yeah. I mean, he was so young, too. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, when someone's stuck in jail their whole life and, you know, they're doing crimes when they're six years old, like, what do you, how do you help them? Well, and it was interesting because you would think that he came from, like, an abusive home or something like that. It never mentioned that. But the fact that his parents were trying to save him kind of makes me feel like, it wasn't a neglectful situation. Right. Maybe his his brother was just a bad influence. Yeah. Or maybe they were poor. Right. But it didn't say. I, w I think that would have been really telling Yeah. to the rest of it, since it is such a young right. insta instance. So 
a writer, DJ Stubbin, who was a friend of Michael Fiora, which is the jewelry store, the victim. Right. So a friend of the jewelry store owner, Michael, DJ Stubbin became fascinated with Charles and his troubled youth and wrote a book about him. And that book is called Number 555, which is his inmate number. The number 555 Death Row. And I was trying to, like, find some excerpts so I could reference it for, right. um, you know, the podcast. But all of it, you had to buy the hard copy and it wouldn't have got here in time. Right. But it is on Amazon if anyone wants to look in it. I think I might buy it myself. Yeah. Because it, I think it would be really interesting right. to see. Because that's where they got the six-year-old and 12-year-old thing that happened is from the book. Oh, okay. So I would really like to read it. But Stubbin was married and denied having any romantic interest in Charles. Which I feel like if you have to say that, <laughs> there's something going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she told reporters that Charles, quote, was destined to end where he is. If he had not killed Mr. Fiora, he would have ended up killing someone else. Well, and that's what I was saying earlier. Is like he, he was in this whole mentality from the time he was six, and it's like, how do you get someone? Do you send them to juvie? Do you give them to another family? Like, mm-hmm. what if their family is, you know, a good, like you were saying, it seemed like they cared for him, or there was no sign of abuse. I think that the idea for juveniles is more of like a reform school, and they do, they try to do, I guess like military type schools. Like a boarding school? Yeah. I think in the, back then, that's what was the... Juvenile. Yeah, juvenile reform was them going to reform schools. I think now it's more of probation. And so you're on a probation for so long. But, so the Amnesty International protested his death sentence, saying that um, he shouldn't get the death penalty because he committed the crime when he was a juvenile. And said that it would violate international agreements. So I looked into this um, organization because I thought it would be, you know, a, what is it, like a global pact or something. But from what I gathered, it's just a volunteer type thing. Like, um, you know, like all those ones that are like for animal cruelty and stuff. There's Mm -hmm. not like, I, I don't know what the word is. It doesn't have any like legal standing like no one signed a contract oh, okay it's them just saying like this is how you should treat people right um but i went to their website and like looked into them and it does look like it's just something you can volunteer for and get like signs and like video protests and stuff and they're from their website it says they're working to tackle human right violations and it had a lot of examples i just chose a few such as freeing people from ICE detention, ending gun violence, and abolishing the death penalty. There's many issues they're working on. Yeah. But, um, so, I thought that was interesting that they, that that was even included in all the research, since it's kind of like, I mean, I've never heard of it. Yeah. And so I didn't think it would be, and I don't know what uh, international agreements they're referring to. I don't know if it's just saying, well, that's not how we do it here. I didn't I didn't see anywhere what said juveniles could not be given the death penalty. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I mean he was he was seventeen. Yeah. It's not like he was twelve. Oh yeah. I would I mean, say that a seventeen year old is 
still not. And I don't think, I really don't think he would have gotten the death penalty if he hadn't have done the other things he did. Right. You know, like, threatening to kill multiple people. Because like we've discussed before, that when they discuss the death penalty, they're discussing your likelihood to continue to be a danger to society. Right. Yeah. And when you're making death threats every time you come to court, yeah, you're going to be seen as a threat to society. Right. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, no one wants you, like, they're... You're 17 and they're telling you that you're on death row. Like, what do you have to live for? Mm -hmm. So, but I don't know. Like, it's hard to say. Like, could they have given him life in prison? But Is that any better? He had 10 years that he sat on death row. And he had 10 years to change. And the next time he came to court, when he was 26, 27, he did the same thing. He still lunged at a... Well, he's still going to die. But people get off death row all the time. Do they? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're well, the... Well, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason, like we've said before, there's a reason they have all these appeals. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they wouldn't have the appeals if they're going to straight up decline you every time. Like, they have to hear you out. Right. So, if you were able to prove that, like, this was my adolescence and this was 17-year-old me and this is 26-year-old me, Mm -hmm. I think you would have a better shot. Yeah, but maybe it's hard to see that whenever you've been. I you can know, see that. Tormented. On that note. Yeah, I'm ready for the last words now. Oh, we're not there yet. Oh, sorry. In prison, he said he was forced to kill Fiori. Do you want to know why he was forced? Why was he forced? He said, quote, I would run in and stick a gun in someone's face and say, give me your money and they would give me their money. Finally, someone called my bluff. End quote. So he was forced to kill him because... He said, I don't want to give you my money. Yeah, you're not going to kill me. Well. So he ended up with $54 from that robbery. Yeah. They're giving him the money. So, I mean, that's, a, that's that whole thing again, you know? Yeah. Is, was it worth it on either end on either end was that $54 worth it right he, two people die yeah over $54 yeah I mean like the reporter said it was he was probably gonna kill someone kill eventually. somebody yeah. eventually so just bad he was executed on September 11th of 1985 when he was 28 after having two stays of execution on July 20th, 1982, and April 9th, 1983. So, his first day, they didn't even set an execution date until he'd already been on death row for, like, eight years. Oh, wow. So, I mean, he had a lot of time. Yeah. His last meal was one single tortilla. Oh. Was this, like, per request, or... Yes, one single tortilla. He just asked for one tortilla? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Wow. Do you think that has, like, do you think that tells something about his psyche? Uh, you seem really bitter. Like, but I've been saying that this whole time. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, you're so mad that you're not even... Gonna eat? Gonna eat. It's like, what's the point? I'm gonna die. Why are you trying to do this for me now? Whenever, you know, mm. I was, I've been drugged through crap this my whole life. I just think it's so... I just think... I thought that was so interesting. 
Yeah, it is really one interesting. single tortilla. Like every other person has like hashed Steak out. Steak and yeah. beans and yeah. Just one Dr. tortilla. Pepper. Not even like beans. Just a tortilla. <laughs> Not even butter. No but a cold one. You have any from the back of the <laughs> frozen. <laughs> okay, so his last words was DJ Lori Dr. Wheat. About all I can say is goodbye, and for all the rest of you, although you don't forgive me for my transgressions, I forgive yours against me. I'm ready to begin my journey, and that's all I have to say. That was it. Pretty standard. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that is the tenth person that was executed on death row. I think I would plan to just never stop talking. They asked me. They're like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to... He said, you have some water in my throat. My throat's <laughs> a little dry. Um, I got my information from historical crime detective, heellaunch.com, Murderpedia, and the TDCJ website. So, I hope y'all enjoyed our 10th episode. Make sure you uh, go to Facebook to see our giveaway. See how to enter that. Get some nice goodies. And uh, we have some big things in store, so make sure you share with your friends. Rate on Apple Podcasts. Tell everyone about us. We'll be here every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. All right. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye.